Welcome to the Uncommon Legacy Podcast. Today we're excited to have Brant Phillips on the show. Brant is a full-time real estate investor, business owner, entrepreneur, author, business coach, and speaker. He's been featured on Fox News, hosts local seminars, and is even being considered to star in one of those Flipping Houses TV shows. Recently, one of his companies, Invest Home Pro, was ranked on the 2016 Inc. 5000 list of America's fastest-growing private companies. Brant's story is truly one from rags to riches. His greater purpose, though, is to give back to and partner with causes and ministries that are making a positive impact on the world. He has an incredible amount of insight and wisdom that we can all apply to our own lives. We hope you enjoy our conversation with Brant Phillips. Well, Brant, thank you so much for being with us on the show today. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. The, the pleasure's ours. Well, Brant, we love to take a look at the, the life journey that people are on, the choices they're making, um, how their life has changed one way or the other. Um, and so that being said, you know, you, you're obviously a guy who it's pretty easy to find a lot of information on. You're doing a lot of really cool things in your life with real estate and, and um, just all the help you're, you're being to people out there and the way you give back. And But we'd love to take a look at your journey before, you know, you're known for anything, before anything's out there, um, and just kind of go back a little bit in time. So if you could, just tell us a little bit, you know, what was life like for you growing up? Life for me growing up, I would have to say, you know, the early years for me birth through uh, 11, 12 years old was pretty much ideal. Um, grew up in a small, smaller rural town um, outside of the Dallas area. Had some really good friends and uh, family nearby and uh, played a lot of sports, shot BB guns, rode four-wheelers, just lived outdoors, you know, most of my young, my young life. And it was, it was really great. Um, honestly, it was just, it was incredible. Um, around the middle school years though, things took a little bit of a, uh, a turn. Uh, my father ended up losing his job for a couple of years and, you know, my family, went through bankruptcy and foreclosure and we lost pretty much everything. And, uh, hmm. it was a really, it was a difficult time. You know, we had, had we moved away from, uh, all my friends and, and family. And we mo- eventually moved down to Houston after a couple of, uh, moving around a little bit and, uh, kind of opened up my eyes to the real world, um, through that time. And, uh, so that that was my experience growing up and although it was really difficult you know when we lost everything leaving my friends but i remember even even to this day i remember some of the uh seeing the the pain and the struggle like in my parents eyes and you know even though it's been good night um 30 something years that still motivates me you know and it drives me to uh secure uh, things for my family. I don't want my, you know, my kids to go through that. I don't want to go through that. And, uh, and I saw that and it also, in a sense, made me a little bit untrusting of corporate America and having a job and just kind of planted that seed of, of I need to kind of be able to take care of myself if I want to, you know, avoid some of these things that my parents went through. Hmm. That's really good. You know, Brant, um, for you growing up, did, were, did you grow up in a in a faith-based home, in a Christian home, or was that something that kind of came into your life later on? I did. I yeah. did. My, my parents were, um, 
my parents were very strong Christians. Um, they were active in the church. We had a home group. Um, we were a part of a really big church. I remember uh, my parents hosting this home group, and it quickly became like the biggest home group in the church, and our house was just packed, and we used to have weddings there. And, um, and it was really cool. And however, after the downtime, I would say, in my family, the relationship between God and I'll say my father changed. Mm -hmm. And some things went on at the church. He became uh, untrusting uh, of the church, and he kind of um, disassociated himself with the church. Mm -hmm. And, um, and things changed and there was a, a wall, I think that was built between, I guess I'll say him and God. Um, but I think it was mainly with him and him and the church. Mm -hmm. And so things changed a lot and to where it was, let's go to church on Sundays and that's it. We're not going to associate with you know, small groups or too many people. We're just going to go and do this thing called church and go back home. So things changed a lot during that kind of that downtime whenever they lost everything, went through that stuff. Okay. Yeah. Well, Brant, did that have, you know, what kind of personal effect did that have on you? Because that's, that's pretty traumatic and, and in that, you know, you're a young teenager, you're pretty, pretty moldable at that point in your life. Do, do you notice, looking back, that that having, um, that shaping your life in one way or the other? Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely. Um, I had, you know, some really close friendships. When I say close, there, I had, it was me and three other guys, three other boys. And we went to, you know, first, second, third, fourth, fifth grade together. We played every single year. Not we did not miss one season. We played on the same football team, flag football. We started playing tackle football in third grade. We played football, we played baseball, and we played soccer every single year on on the same team. And our parents were somewhat close. They used to, you know, like take us to Six Flags or Wet and Wild or it was a Whitewater back then too, and just drop us off and leave us for the day and just. It was just like we were super, super tight um, just growing up. And then just to be just removed from that kind of in, in an instant because um, it all seemed to happen really quickly. It, it was it was difficult. And my, you know, my father is a very reserved, quiet man. And he's, he's a lot of pride and he holds a lot of things in. So I I wasn't always abreast of what was going on, you know. Like I knew what was yeah. going on, but... It wasn't like we had these times where we sat down and talked about our emotions and our, <laughs> all this kind of stuff. It was just like, yep, life sucks, like deal with it and move on. So, yeah, it affected me. It affected me. It was a big transition going from small rural town in Houston, I'm sorry, in Dallas, and we moved to A-Leaf, um, which was like the melting pot of the world. Like literally, you know, parts of Houston are in A-Leaf. A-Leaf it definitely was. To where I was like, you know, within a couple of years, um, 
just tossed into the mix. Like there's gangs that had guns pulled on me and getting in fights and just all kinds of stuff. And it was just night and day difference from, from my childhood. So yeah, it, it did affect me, you know, definitely did affect me. I, I, now I can say it really affected me in a positive way, but at that time it was really tough, but you know what? They almost things most, we, we learned the most, like, I don't care what anyone says. We learned the most, through failure we learn the most when we go through pain when we go through struggles that's whenever god really gets our attention so as difficult as it was like it's what i'm most thankful for today you know wow yeah that's good you know brent you're talking just talking about your family life and growing up and the the ups and then the downs in some cases extreme downs and lows that, that you guys experience as a family and i know that I know that kind of your journey in the real estate world in the real estate investment world is you've seen you've seen that as well you know in your business and your life in that business so I'd love to kind of transition into that part of your life you know I know real estate is such a big part of your life now um, what you're doing uh, I think we'd like to know though just what were you doing before real estate and and how did you get fir- first introduced into like the real estate investment world well you know when I was uh I was in uh, high school. I really, I didn't have much direction. Um, I played football, and uh, it, it was quite evident I wasn't going to make a career out of playing football, <laughs> uh, especially after I tore my ACL my senior year and colleges weren't banging down my door. So um, I had to figure out what to do with my life, and uh, I didn't want to go to college, didn't do very well in high school at all. And uh, so I moved back to Dallas with one of my buddies, one of my childhood friends. We still in, in uh, close touch these days. And I moved back uh, to Dallas. Me and him um, got a job. He was he wasn't going to college either. We got a job at a warehouse uh, loading trucks, and it was extremely hard work, and it was it was grueling. And uh, did that for a little less than six months. It's just pretty much like this sucks. I, I don't think I'm going to do this forever. Maybe I should have looked at this college thing that a bunch of my friends are doing. So I ended up going to junior college and eventually got got my degree and went into law enforcement because, quite frankly, like that that was the only thing I could think of that I, I wanted to do at that time. I didn't have many dreams, goals, or aspirations, to be quite honest with you. Um uh, and I just thought it'd be cool to be a police officer. So I went into law enforcement um, for uh, about seven years, and uh, six years, or I guess five or six years into that, I met um, my future wife and got married. And um, whenever you know we had our first child, things began to change for me. And working, you know, weekends, holidays, nights, those types of things, just it really began to get at me. And then I had, that's why I had to make a decision. Like, what am I going to do? Because this isn't really providing the life that I, I desired, uh, for my, for my wife and my, my new family with my son. And so, you know, the only thing I could think of was to get a job, um, like a corporate kind of job, even though I really didn't want to do that, but I didn't know what else to do. So I ended up, uh, believing that the grass would be green on the other side. Got a corporate job, and I remember 
um, I had a family member who was at a, uh, my father-in-law was at a Fortune 500 company, and he helped me get an interview. Didn't help me get a job, but at least got me an interview. And up getting a job, and I remember, <laughs> I remember the very first day of uh, you know going to work and coming home, and my wife was like super excited because. I was out of law enforcement, so there was the safety thing. Even though where I worked, it wasn't that incredibly dangerous. But just the shifts and the things like that. And I've got uh, this this Fortune 500 company. I've got a company car now. And we can live this American dream. And I, I come home the first day, and she's like, how was it? What did you think? And I remember my reaction was, I absolutely hate it (laughs) (laughs) i'm like i hate it It it's not for me um there's no way in the world i can do this for us my life but don't worry i'm gonna do it for now but i'm gonna figure something else out (laughs) Mm -hmm. and uh in inside and i worked there for for many more years four years i think and i did really well i was in sales and i've always finished at the top and or very near the top and and I made a living and I played the corporate game and and did that but at the same time I just knew and I was very very early 30s I'm just like okay you've got a little time here Um, we can pay the bills and we can have a nice life right now but I just something wasn't setting right with me and I knew looking into my future at 40 50 60 I wasn't going to be that corporate guy climbing that ladder um, and just be that guy. Just not that there's anything wrong with that. I just knew it wasn't for me. Yeah. Hmm. So, Brant, how did – so so what you're known for today is real estate and everything you're doing in that world. How did you first get introduced to to real estate? You know, what was your first, um, you know, experience in that? And, and when did you realize, hey, this is – this is something I could do for the rest of my life. Yeah, so we were, um, I was actually on the East Coast, went with my wife out to meet, um, she had a family reunion uh, out on the East Coast. And her main family's here, but she had a lot of extended family out there. So we went out there for some type of, you know, family event on her side. And I met one of her cousins. She had a cousin who was an entrepreneur. And he owned a lot of real estate, did real estate development and other things. And um, I met this gentleman at at this gathering, and it wasn't a big, long conversation or anything like that. But there was just something different about this guy, like his look, his kind of aura. Um, it was just, it was like a success kind of vibe he was putting out like very confident and things like that. And we ended up talking for a little bit. You know, what do you do? And what do you do? And just kind of general conversation. And I uh, told him, you know, that I was working at my job, but I had begun. That was the time when I was like really, really starting to look somewhere else. And I told him I was, I was looking to do something else, but I wasn't quite sure what. And he just started telling me a little bit of what, what he did when he was, you know, my age. And, you know, he mentioned real estate. He said, well, you know, I remember what I did is, and he bought some little small apartment building and started buying rental properties and things like that. And he's like, you know, there's 
a lot of money in real estate. Have you ever considered that? And, and I was like, no. I've watched some of these shows that were starting to pop up, right? And um, But I had never really thought I could do that myself. And so that was really the only seed that was really planted. And he just, he really encouraged me. Um, you know, he was kind of like a Tony Robbins kind of guy. He's like, take action, don't make excuses, find a way, way. Just little things like that that he injected into the conversation. And no one really ever talked to me like that or spoke like that, right? And, um, and so I, I went back home. Um, bought Rich Dad Poor Dad uh, and started reading about real estate and I went to a networking event uh, the very first very first Saturday of January and from that point on I was I, that was it like I was off to the races after that awesome so your your first year of investing and I know you told the story before your first year of investing in real estate it was a pretty incredible year can you can you talk to us about that experience and and really how that set your mindset or how that how that experience in that that whole first year of how your mindset changed from from January to kind of the end of that calendar year yeah so when I read rich dad poor dad um that kind of sparked all kinds of stuff that had been laying dormant in me I guess and I began reading uh just every kind of like real estate book and um some you know motivational personal development type of books as well at that time and i was just getting this huge amount of energy motivation and just like i was going to take on the world and i remember uh telling my wife right this was right at the beginning of the year may have been even right before uh, 2007, end of 2006, setting, you know, New Year's resolutions and goals, that kind of stuff. And I never had done anything like this. But I told her that I was going to buy uh, 10 rental properties that year. And, um, and we had no money. Um, <laughs> we lived in an apartment. We were... Um, you know, so we're broke. We, she was working. I was working. We had making okay money, but we had just in a place like we paid off our student loans and credit cards, and we were debt free. But we just we lived in this little apartment, and um, I told her I was going to buy ten houses, <laughs> and you know, I just she was like, "This is this is my wife." Like my my wife has been very naively supportive of. <laughs> um, you know, she was like, "That's great." Um, we don't have any money. Do you, you know, do you know exactly how you're going to do that? You know, I'm like, <laughs> not really. I'm just haven't figured that out yet, but I'm, I'm going to do it. Um, just stand by. So I, I went and got this um, poster board. And I got this big white poster board from the store and I drew these 10, 10 big squares on it that represented houses and I didn't even have an office in our apartment, but we had this little desk area, and uh, and I hung it on the wall, just like everyone who could come, in, everyone who came into our apartment could see this ugly poster board. And she's like, "You're not gonna leave that there, are you?" And she's <laughs> like, "You are. I can tell." So I left that poster board there, um, just as like my daily motivation, and um, 
got it done. And it, it took me the whole entire year. But um, late December of, of that year, I, I purchased my 10th uh, property and at, at the end of t- 2010. I still worked at my job. I was just doing it, doing it on the side. But, um, yeah, that, that year was really an eye-opener for me, just about how important goal-setting is and what is possible when you, when you set goals, but more importantly you know, take massive action towards it because yeah. I was just, I was a man on purpose. Like I was driven and, um, and I wanted to, you know, and, and I still did well at my job. It wasn't like I was just, uh, shucking all my responsibility. I still upheld those commitments, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, that I probably worked less than most people at my job. I just, I, I learned how to become more efficient because I had a better year even than the year before because I got really, and I was in sales. So I just got really focused on how I spent my time and being incredibly efficient with my time. I wasn't going to, you know, waste my time with with leads and calls that I felt weren't going to produce. I just went to the top players and just really, you know, worked those relationships and I got in and got out as soon as I could so I could go work on my real estate. That was the whole focus that year. You know, I, I love what you said there about, um, you know, set some goals but then take massive action. You know, I think a lot of times we, most people, especially if they're working like the daily grind, they have aspirations to, you know, eventually get out, do something where they can provide for themselves and their control of their own finances and control of how much they make. But they don't know how to start and they don't they don't know how to get from, you know, what they where they're at now to what they want. And so I think they confuse sometimes massive action with massive research or, you know, it's like let's go keep learning as much as I can about this thing I want to do. But but I think what you hit on there is really important about taking massive action but can you tell us like so for you what did that look like between making that poster board and getting that first house like what kind of what did action look like for you sure great question so the the first thing i did was begin begin networking um go i was like i knew i had to meet people Mm. um who were in you know, in this arena, because I, I was, I was extremely wet behind the ears. And so my, you know, my first objective was like, figure out how do I do this? And in order to figure out how I needed to figure out who uh, could help me with that. Uh, so I began going to every, you know, real estate networking event that I could go to. And then when I went to those events, I remember trying to find out who were the real players in the field right and so i was i was going to the the events but very intentional i was intentional when i was going um because i see a lot of people just go and they'll maybe mix and mingle but it's very random and sporadic and so i, I was going to find you know who my main focus was like who could bring me deals um because i just i looked at my business i looked at my time and I knew about opportunities with wholesaling. I knew about opportunities with flipping. And the, the main coaching and, and uh, mentoring that I was listening to that was resonating the most with me 
um, was re- uh, surrounded buying and holding rental property. So that that was my focus. So I just began looking for people um, who could help me, who could bring me deals, uh, which was mainly wholesalers and some agents here and there. And I was trying to find out who I could really cultivate the best relationship with that you could be, bring me the most deals with me spending the least amount of my time. And then after that, I was also, you know, looking for money, um, looking for lenders that I could get uh, financing for, um, which was actually not too challenging. I thought it was going to be, but it, it wasn't. Now, granted, 2007 was a different day and age. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's for sure. Like, that's for sure. But, you know, a lot of people have these limiting mindsets that just because the banks won't give you or hard money lenders won't give you 100% financing anymore, that financing is this big, huge obstacle um, today. And it's, it is only if you believe that it is or if you're not willing to do the work that's required. But we still finance all of our deals with 100% financing all day long. <laughs> and it's just, that's that's a, a belief that people have or they don't have. And um, so that's how I spent my time. Uh, mainly on uh, in 2007, then I started buying properties, and then the whole, you know, the the whole ball snowball effect became real. Where I was, you know, now managing contractors, I was leasing properties, I was managing properties, I was doing all this stuff all myself, and um, and that's that snowball just began rolling. It, it began rolling. You know, Brent, I, I want to kind of go back to you talked about, you know, it's, as you were you were sp- talking about people approaching financing and uh, potential lenders and things like that where they could find the money to do what you were doing and how we limit ourselves. We have these limiting mindsets or limiting beliefs, um, you know, and how they apply to our pi- finances in really every other area of our lives. You know, I think... I think no matter what what you're doing, what business you're in, or what part of culture or people group that you're in, we all walk in certain types of paradigms, right? That can either allow us freedom, or they can or they can limit us, like you talked about. So I'd love for you just to speak a moment about about those types of limiting mindsets. Maybe what are some of the the limits that you had to overcome, and then maybe speak also to how we overcome them. Sure, and and this is this is a never a never ending process that mm, all of us good. will face, mm. right? And so, yeah. mm-hmm. even even the you know I have new mindsets today that maybe you know light years ahead of where my mindset used to be in certain areas, but I know that I've only you know achieved the capacity in my thinking of where I'm at right now. There's always another level. There's always you know, some, you know, next new breakthrough or just, you know, uh, in, you know, areas of my own faith that I can step into. So, you know, when we talk about business and we talk about business and, and real estate and we talk and we mix in the conversation about mindset, sometimes uh, this has irked people. I remember when I used to do um, these big seminars, um, we used, I used to always like to start up with mindset, and I actually had got complaints about that, um, about, well, this isn't about mindset. It's about, you know, real estate and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and th- honestly, the most important part of your business is your mindset. 
And to me, that really dictates the success that you will have or not have. And so, you know, for me, it's non-negotiable to incorporate um, the conversation about mindset and that discussion into to business. And this is what I, you know, work on with with my own employees, with my with my children, with my wife. It just our, it, it is our belief system, and we either believe that we can, or we believe that we can't, or if we don't know how, we either believe that we can find the way, and there is a way how. Or we believe that there's not, and it's not possible. So you don't even ask the question how. And and so I say that a lot, you know, with with my children and my students. You know, one of the most important and powerful questions that you can ever ask yourself is just the question how. Because so many people are like, well, I can't do that, or this can't be done, or that's in, you know that's impossible. But when you just ask the question how. <laughs> You know, how is that possible? Your mind begins to figure out a way, well, mm. let me think about that. Maybe yeah. there is a way that I can do that. That's good. And it may not be, you know, come through conventional thinking. And it may not be easy. Most likely it won't be easy if it's really, really stretching your mind to even consider how. But when you ask that question how, you know, God and the universe and things just start turning your mind to where, like, hmm, maybe it is possible. But hmm. now comes time where you got to roll up your sleeves and do that, you know, proverbial work that we yeah. have about. Yeah. You know, I think, too, a lot of those limiting beliefs are, are founded on fears, you know, and, and those can be different, the different people and be there for all different reasons. What are some of the uh-huh. most common fears, I guess, that people have, you know, behind those limiting beliefs? You know, I can only speak for myself. Um, well, no, I mean, I can, I can generalize that, but you know, so many people hold on, have fear of, of, of money, right? And they have this fear of, uh, you know, well, if I do this and it goes bad, then I'll lose everything. You know, I'll lose if if I don't have my job or if I leave my job and do this real estate and all goes bad. That uh, we we're all we're always creating these stories in our mind, right? Like the human brain has forty thousand, fifty thousand thoughts a day, right? And um, most of them are the same thoughts over and over and over, or just from the day before. But the funny thing is, like, that a lot of our thoughts aren't even true. They're not based on fact. They're just this kind of this story that we concoct, and a lot of them are derived by fear, which is really the opposite of faith. And um, so there, there's no merit to a lot of the fear that people have. And, um, you know, so I would say that... Um, that fear is based, you know, with money, some type of security issue that they're going to lose security if things go bad or things go wrong and, and things like that. And, you know, my experience and my truth is, is just has been almost the polar opposite. Um, I'm not saying, uh, good Lord, you know, that I don't like when things go uh 
differently than I intend them when, when deals have gone sideways, when things have gone bad, all those types of things. But I also know that when things have been difficult for me, that's when I've learned the most, that I feel like that's when I've grown the most character. I've become a better husband, father, business owner when I've gone through difficult times because that's when I've learned the most and I've grown the most. And I've really God's given me opportunity to grow character and really to just expand who I am in those times. And the things that we fear, <laughs> the things that we fear, I, th- I think it was, uh, I think it was a Mark Twain quote. And he said something to the effect of, I feared of many great things in my life, many of which have never even happened. Right. Like we have all these <laughs> yeah. thoughts that all these things are going to go bad and, Maybe a few do, but a vast majority of them never do. And even when they do, it's like, oh, that wasn't so bad. That wasn't yeah. so bad. Mm-hmm. You know, Brent, I love some of what you're doing in your, you know, kind of in the, the coaching aspect, you know. But, what you know, I think when people hear, oh, well, Brent's coaching, he's in the real estate business, so he's doing real estate coaching. But it's what you're doing is so much more than that, so much more holistic of an approach than that and one of the one of the avenues you're doing it with is this thing called breakthrough at the beach um and and i just really love this concept of what you're trying to do to pull men together um to to really speak into their lives you know whether they're investing in real estate or whatever other walk they're in would you mind just kind of telling us what what your approach with this this concept of breakthrough at the beach and some other things you've done really are you know kind of what's the underlying theme besides just real estate investing yeah i'd love to um yeah i'll take a step back too and kind of tell the the genesis of that and and that was i was doing uh used to do quite a a lot of uh kind of the quote-unquote big event seminar coaching uh live event type things and um and, and enjoyed it like i love coaching and teaching and um personally i enjoy it um but inside there's something going on with me where i'm like um don't know if this is for me and then i hooked up with um kind of one of the bigger quote-unquote gurus and um i was the real estate guy um responsible for all the real estate stuff and they were doing kind of the dog and pony show, just trying to sell a bunch of uh, coaching, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so that was my first that was my first venture into uh, kind of high end, high ticket kind of coaching kind of stuff. And what happened was, got a small group of people and um, was coaching them and teaching. I was coaching my butt off and showing them everything I knew. Uh, about real estate and really really good group of people but they weren't really taking action and so I ended up um I ended up tossing out this thing I'm like and it was just I was driven like I want you to be successful no I I demand you to be successful uh, these people spent a lot of money and I had heard kind of the behind the curtains conversation about like that there's like this 5% success rate with coaching. And when, and I heard that I got sick in my stomachs. I, I didn't know that before I was doing big events and not selling coaching. I'm like, this is the event. Like you pay your hundred bucks or 300 bucks. I'm just going to teach everything and 
there's no upsell at the end. So this is my first introduction to this world and just didn't feel good to me. So I, I threw out this to my, to my students, to a group. I'm like, look, here's the deal. I need y'all to do a deal. Let's do a group deal. Um, I need you to apply everything that you've been taught and go out and find a deal. You're going to raise financing. Um, you're going to, you know, put together your, your contractor budgets, manage the rehab, market the deal, sell it and blah, blah, blah. Now, ultimately what happened was I, uh, Brent ended up finding the deal, financing the deal, rehabbing the deal, market and selling the deal, but I still cut them all a check because it was like a partnership deal. And that kind of helped my conscience and I kind of got out of that business. I'm like, why am I going to do that? I can just, I'm making money. I don't, I don't need to do coaching. I enjoyed it, but that's, that's not worth it. I think I lost money on this whole venture. <laughs> but the thing that came out of it was this, was that when I was working with these people, um, I really, be, you know, became close to them and developed relationships and relationships with a lot of those people still to this day, but they weren't taking action. And I was, when I was in that role as a real estate guy, you know, the, the main motivating factor was, was making money, getting rich. And I began, um, as I was developing those relationships with them, I started seeing that, you know, how, uh, really close up, like people, you get to know people and you find out other things are going on, right? Like problems in their marriage and alcoholism and just burnout and depression. I was seeing the other side. Um, with these people as I got to know them and I began to feel a little tugging away at my own you know conscience knowing that they were kind of believing that well if I can just make it in real estate and make a bunch of money that everything's gonna be great and that was kind of what was going on and I shut it down because I was going through beginning to go through a place in, in my life where um, I was getting burned out myself because I had been hard, so hard charging towards real estate and success that I was going through a uh, burnout of my own mm-hmm. in my marriage. Um, my relationship with God was becoming non-existent. Um, I was drinking a lot, and I, I was just was turning into who I did want to be. But at the same time, like that's who I was becoming. So long story short, uh, long story short, I, um, hit my bottom. I hit my bottom, which was whenever my wife and I were on the brink of divorce and had some really big decisions to make and really had to turn back to, um, and have to, I, that's when I, I went back, you know, to God and began just really hashing out um, some things within, um, some things that um, that I wanted to fix that I wasn't okay with because I wasn't okay with having this empty type of life where I was just pursuing money and my wife or my relationship with my wife is just not good and I was drinking a lot and I just wasn't inspired. So through that time... Um, through that time of, of my reawakening or whatever you want to call it, my second birth, um, I came back like I was in 2007, just renewed and reinvigorated and, you know, repaired uh, my marriage to, you know, get it to where, like, it was, it had never been better. And um, 
and and I've just had a, re, a renewed fire to uh, coach and teach and motivate and educate and inspire and equip other people. But at the same time, I'm like, I have to do this different. I have to do this different because money never really satisfies. Mm-hmm. And and as I was really looking at at taking on new clients and and people who I wanted to, who I was going to work with, I was like, how can I really really get them success and forget like five percent success rate? Like, how could I get a hundred percent success yeah. for my students? And, and that really became the goal. And so I was like, all right, so if I want my students to have 100% success, i got to figure out, I'm going to reverse engineer this. So I just started taking away things that, that would make that impossible. Mm-hmm. One, for example, was big live event. There's 100 people in there. Just, it's not really feasible um, to go out and create a successful real estate business. So first thing I did, I was like, I, I have to limit the amount of people that I can work with. I can't work with a thousand people. Um, so I need to, I need to limit that. And, and I, and I began, you know, interviewing people and just making sure that it was a good fit. Um, cause I'm like, if someone's going to invest this time and invest this money, I need to make sure they're a hundred percent, uh, success on the back end. And then so I also realized that business success and, and motivation is just, it's so much more about money. And when I get to know clients, you know, they're real people and they've got a spiritual side. They have a family and they've got their own health and their own fitness as well. And I begin to see that all of those factors affect how we perform in business. And the breakthrough at the beach, we call it F4, your faith, your family, your fitness, and your finances. And for me, that's the hierarchy, and that is the order, that my faith in God comes first, my family relationships are next, my health and my fitness, my temple is, is next, and then, you know, financially speaking, in the business world is next. And when I keep things in that order, and when I keep those things also um, in power, if you will, meaning I'm investing daily into those areas, I'm connected with who I am in those areas, what is my role, what is my purpose, I'm so much on fire when it comes to the business world, right? And so I just begin incorporating those things to help people succeed at business but look at it more of a holistic point of view. In, in making sure that they're connected with like, why are you going to do all this work in real estate, which is a lot and it can be overwhelming and it can be difficult when you're not driven by a deeper calling and deeper purpose and you're not, mm. um, in, in, you know, connected in the spiritually or within your relationship or, or your relationship sucks and you're on the verge of divorce it's really hard to show up and be productive in the business world whenever you're hungover because you're depressed and you're drinking a lot. So I just, I began to acknowledge the fact that real people have real issues. So let's just, let's talk about those. Let's address those and let's incorporate those into what you're doing in your, in your business world and, and incorporate what you're doing in, in your business with your real life because it all is going to either help us produce results or prevent us from producing results period. And so 
I guess I just began to teach real estate and uh, life coaching and, you know, how I live my life and some um, things that, that I do, you know, on a daily basis, weekly, monthly, yearly basis with my family and spiritually and in my health and fitness and things that work for me and things to produce results. I just began to teach that and coach that and incorporate it with, uh, uh, you know, what we do in our programs. That's awesome. You know, Brant, you, you started talking a little bit about, use the word success quite a bit, and we've had a lot of different people on our podcast that um, we've had them define that because just like you said, I think after, you know, when money's the focus, you end up with money but losing a whole lot along the process. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and, and by a lot of worldly standards, you know, you are successful at that point. But but we know that success means a whole lot more than that. So, you know, you touched on a lot of points there, but I wonder if you could kind of define for us what does success actually mean to you? Yeah, so it, I will tell you this. Um, that definition is, is constantly evolving. Yeah. <laughs> it's constantly evolving. Um, where 10 years ago, you know, it would have, the focus for me would have been quitting my job. Like as soon as I can quit my job, I will be successful. Right. And cause that was the whole focus. I was so, it wasn't even about money for me. It was, and it's never really, that's never been the driving factor for me is, is money. Um, I've always been more of a freedom kind of a, you know, lifestyle kind of person, just, just wanting to control, um, my time and what I do. So that's what it, it used to be for me. And, um, success today for me is, is more of a, um, a legacy type of pursuit and helping others and, um, you know, things that are more, I guess, you know, noble and worthy, uh, accomplishments rather than just success to me, business really is, is, is a means to an end and, and nothing more, of course, to provide for my family is, is key. Of course, you know, basic, basic needs of, food and clothing and shelter and you know, I've been fortunate where my kids go to private school, we have a really nice house, we travel and that's great, but we also, you know, are able to give, um, give, you know, a, a lot and, uh, and that makes me feel good. My wife and I are in the process of adopting a child. We already have four of our own. We're adopting one, a little baby in December. So for me, that is is more along the lines of what, how I view success these days. And, um, and I know still at times that I have shallow goals and pursuits in which I think just reflects my own character. And I'm, and I'm always striving to, you know, grow and expand. And I, and I hope that my definition of success will, you know, continue to broaden and deepen and, you know, have more depth to it as I, Hopefully grow older and wiser. That's mm-hmm. great. You know, what I find interesting, Brand, is it, with you um, and with a number of guests that, that we've had on the podcast over the last year or so who I think would, uh, by 
kind of their their culture, the culture they're living in, whether that's what it, whatever culture that is, they they would be defined as having a measure of success or maybe even a large measure of success. You know, that culture would define them as being successful people. But when we ask them that question, they have very similar answers to you um, where their their definition of success has changed as they've attained Mm-hmm. their cultural definition of success, you yeah, know, the world's version of success, if you will, mm-hmm. their definition has changed and evolved and it's grown to be something different than it first was to them. And yeah. I, I just find that interesting. And I think that's something that we, you know, I wanted to point out because I think it'd be all beneficial to us if we could recognize that, you know, what we think of yeah. right now, it won't, as we begin to try to attain that, we need to be open to the idea that that's probably going to change in us as well. Yeah. You know, yeah. looking for something more, something deeper, something more rich in us, you know. Yeah. You know, Brent, we're moving towards the end here for the sake of time. And normally we ask our guests um, a question about books or resources they'd recommend. But I kind of want to I kind of want to point readers, our listeners to your reading list on your website. You have an amazing reading list on your website. Yeah. So yeah. so if they'll go to your, your website and check that out. And so I would just kind of like to ask you if you could tell us what is the best way website wise and any other way to connect with you and what you're doing and the, the types of, uh, you know, seminars that you're putting on. Yeah, the the best way is just go to brantphillips.com. Um there's I've got so many websites out there, but that's <laughs> that's the easiest thing is just go to brantphillips.com and they can um yeah, I, I try to update the blog quite frequently of uh things I have going on and there's links to other resources and things, but yeah, that's that's the best way to uh to get in touch with me. That's great. And just for the listeners, if you're curious about the reading list, if you go to brantphillips.com, they're you know, close to the top of the website on the right side. There's a section where you can select reading lists, and he's got probably, good Lord, 20 books or so easily on the – and they're all – like I've read a bunch of them, and I think Brian has as well. The the ones that I have read are all really, really good. So um, go ahead and go ahead and check that out. It would be really beneficial. Well, Brant, we just really want to thank you for being with us today. We've had a we've had a lot of fun. Yeah. Thank you, guys. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to the Uncommon Legacy Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode with Brant Phillips. We encourage you to go check out what he's doing and stay connected with him at brantphillips.com. We'll have all the links and resources mentioned in today's show over on our website, uncommonlegacy.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please do us a favor and head over to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. We have many more amazing guests just like Brant coming on the show, and you won't want to miss a single one. You can head over to our website and join our UnCommunity. We send out an email newsletter once a week with updates on new podcast episodes and blog posts, as well as some exclusive content. Also, go like our Facebook page to stay updated on new podcast episodes, blog posts, and giveaways. Thanks again for listening to the Uncommon Legacy Podcast. We'll see you next time.